Welcome everyone to Mayday Arcade, where Maddie Parker will talk about whatever video game she's been playing. It might be a new one, it might be an old one. It'll be kind of a long-form review, but let's get to it. Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of Mayday Arcade. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks. We had a new episode of the Shipping Manifest go up uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, and I'm back. And you already know what this episode's going to be about because it's in the title. You know how to read. I'm counting on you. Uh, but before we get to that, I want to get to this episode's editorial uh and i've been kind of thinking that i want to try and connect my editorials to the last game that i talked about and kind of segue that in uh so this episode i'm going to be talking about how one game can affect how you play other games now, this is a, an idea that I had started to think about a couple of years ago. And it's interesting how it pops up. Because you're, you're not always thinking about it, of course. Uh, but I play a lot of games. Uh, it's, it's kind of my main hobby, uh, if you couldn't tell. So... I start to pick up on different patterns. So one of the clearest examples of it uh, that I can give just from me personally is years ago. I want to say like four years ago when I first got my uh, PS4. It was my first PlayStation since PlayStation 2. Just completely skipped over PS3. Uh, so there were a lot of games that I was getting caught up on. Uh, and one of those was The Last of Us. N now, I, I don't know if I brought this up last episode when we were talking about Resident Evil 2. Um, but horror games have always been a uh, struggle for me. Because I'm easily scared. But I'm only easily scared when it comes to games. Like, I can do horror movies like nothing, but as soon as I'm put in control, the anxiety really builds and, uh, and makes the tension and the fear much, much stronger. Uh, so horror games, for most of my life, have been off the table. Uh... That kind of changed with the advent of like let's let's plays on YouTube and Twitch, because as soon as I put somebody else in the driver's seat, if I'm watching somebody else play a horror game, then it turns into a horror movie. So I'm removed from that tension. I can still enjoy the story as if it were you know, a movie, but I also get that added element of getting an idea of what it's like to play it through the person playing on, uh, on the stream. So 
when I looked at The Last of Us and I knew, I knew that game was amazing. I, I, I knew it because uh, I briefly had a PS3 uh, because of my roommate, uh, my old roommate. And so at that time, I did get a chance to play uh, the Uncharted games. So I knew what Naughty Dog was capable of at this point. And everybody was saying that The Last of Us was their best game. So when I finally got my PS4, uh, Last of Us Remastered was one of the first games that I got. And I was really excited for it. Because I immediately connected with Ellie in a way that I wasn't expecting to. And the only character that I could compare that connection to is Elizabeth in Bioshock. But I hadn't felt that since Bioshock Infinite. Uh, so when Ellie was, you know, in front of me, I, I had no choice but to just absolutely adore her. Uh, especially once I found out she is gay. Uh, so immediate connection. So I got The Last of Us and I started playing it and I was real freaked out. I was real freaked out the whole time. And it was so bad that like I would only be able to play in 15 minute chunks. Uh, like I'd get... I'd get as far as I could, I'd see a little bit of story, and then I'd have to, I'd have to stop, um, because it was too much for me to handle at that point, and then I got to a point where I couldn't even do that, uh, I was too scared to go forward at all, uh, and that was right when you are going into the sewers, it's not a spoiler to say that, yeah, in, in a post-apocalyptic game, you're going to go in some sewers. And uh, these sewers scared the crap out of me. Uh, so I guess I was in the right place. Um, but I had to stop. And I put it down. And it haunted me. It haunted me. That I couldn't do it. I was like, I'm a fucking adult. Why can't I why can't I do this? Why can't I just play this game that I obviously love? Like I I desperately want to see the end of this game because somehow at that point I had never been spoiled on it. I had no idea how that game ended. And I had to know. So I, I, I always held on to it and I was like, one day, one day I'm going to get to you. And years later, Resident Evil 2 Remake comes out. And that game I watched the first time all the way through on a stream. And I'm like, I think I can actually do this one. I think I can, I think I can handle this one. 
And that's when I got Resident Evil 2 Remake and played through it and absolutely adored that fucking game. I mean, if you listen to the previous episode, you know. You know how I feel about Resident Evil 2 Remake. We don't need to cover old ground. But when I got done with Resident Evil 2 Remake, I was like, oh my god. I think I can do Last of Us now. And I was so excited because like I had I had just gone through and finished multiple times my first horror game. So I was finally feeling brave enough. So I took that bravery and I restarted The Last of Us because I didn't want to just immediately jump in to the sewer. Like that would that would just be a bad first impression, you know, going through it again. Uh, and would probably make me bounce off of it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, restart. And I did it. And it was because of the confidence and the bravery that Resident Evil 2 Remake instilled in me that I was able to take that into beating The Last of Us. And then through that, I was also able to take that into beating The Last of Us Part 2. And I was even able to, you know, try to take that bravery into other areas where I tried out Bloodborne. And the first time I did really bad and I fucked up and accidentally spent the one item that you can that you need in order to level up in that game, accidentally spent it because I misread a little info box and I was like, I don't know when I'm going to be able to level up again. Uh, I It was really hard to find that thing and I have no idea where to look next. Uh, so I ended up stopping Bloodborne at that point. But then later on, after Resident Evil 2... I went back to it and I'm, I'm, do not get me wrong. I am nowhere near the end, not even a little bit, but I beat the first five bosses and I, and like, that makes me feel pretty proud that I was able to take that bravery from taking down William Birkin and, and, like, transfer that into fighting these giant Bloodborne bosses. And so it's fascinating how playing one single game can completely change your perception of other games and your ability to play them and your ability to enjoy them. When, when one game can make other games even better for more people that's huge that's huge and but you can't plan for that that's not something that you put down in a design document you know you're not you're not sitting at the table saying okay we need to uh remake resident evil 2 and we have to do it from the ground up and we're going to change a lot of stuff but we're going to keep a lot of the 
same vibes. You know, we, we have to do all of that. But we also have to make sure that we make it good enough so that Maddie will want to play The Last of Us too. <laughs> like, it's it's just not a thing that you can plan for or, or even do on purpose, really. Or would you even want to? It's hard to say. But it's this intangible factor where because of the games that I played after Resident Evil 2 Remake and what I was able to experience because of Resident Evil 2 Remake, it elevates that game in my esteem because it has given me so much joy uh, even outside of it. And that's why I lift Resident Evil 2 Remake up so high is because it changed my life, really. It opened up this entire new avenue of, of material that I could consume and, and like learn from and, and, and go through all that and just learn about new ways of telling stories. Uh, that's why I, I look at Resident Evil 2 Remake like so fawningly because it, it's just magical to me but it doesn't only happen in situations like that because there's a funny thing that can happen to you when you play a lot of games and that's you that you can get the controls mixed up if you're bouncing back and forth between different games it can be kind of confusing sometimes and you can get tripped up especially if the games share any visual connection if they even have the same color palette it gets you in that mindset of this is the game that i'm playing today and you fall into a pattern of just whatever game your brain thinks that you're controlling at that point so my example here is uh recently god help me i got into fortnite uh mm -hmm. and it was purely down to them releasing a jill valentine skin because i'm weak and i accept that and i'm i i, I apologize for it every day I'm sorry, but that's my Jill Valentine machine. Like at the at this point, like I sure I have some other skins that I've unlocked and I might pop them on, you know, for a match or two for variety. But for the most part, that's the Jill Valentine machine. Uh, and I've played it a lot. <laughs> that's that's the best way that I can describe it. Uh, I played it a lot over the course of like three weeks and uh, I think I think when I finally put it down my level was like 145 like it was it was just you gotta understand I played it a lot um, and I'm actually not bad that's kind of fun I've never been good at a multiplayer game uh, so that's exciting. Anyways, I put in 
some real solid hours with it. And then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do something else now. And I got this weird desire to uh, play Breath of the Wild again, uh, which I never beat the first time. And I actually think I played wrong the first time. Uh, because the first go-around with Breath of the Wild, uh, I, I played it for 105 hours. And in that time, somehow, I never found the Lost Woods. I never found uh, Kokiri Forest. And I never knew where the Master Sword was. 105 hours I played that game. I played it so much. I beat three of the Divine Beasts. And I never knew where the Master Sword was. So I got this, you know, I got this feeling of like, man, I, I really want to play Breath of the Wild. I'm feeling it. But I can't. I can't, I can't pick up my old save file because I'm way too deep. And I don't remember how to play. Like, I'll die. Uh, and I am crazy lost. Uh, but I am willing to restart. And the, the damnedest thing about uh, Breath of the Wild is you only get one save file. That's it. So I deleted my 105-hour save file and restarted. And it was interesting. It actually kind of took me back because when I was a kid, I had uh, Link's Awakening on the Game Boy. And it was one of my favorite games. Oh my god, I played it so freaking much. And I think as a kid, I only got through maybe four dungeons, maybe. It's hard to remember because I was, I was pretty little. Um, so what I would do is I would get as far as I could. And then when I got stuck, I just restarted and started going through it again. And I did that hundreds of times, literally hundreds of times for years, like into high school, I was still pulling out my Game Boy and booting up Link's Awakening and just starting a new run and seeing, seeing if I could get any further before I get stuck again. Uh, because this, folks, was in the time where you didn't have the internet uh, for walkthroughs. Uh, and walkthroughs have changed my life. Oh, God. Can't live without them. Um, so restarting Breath of the Wild kind of reminded me of that. Um, so I've been playing Zelda mostly. Uh, that's That's been my main game uh, for the past couple weeks. And I'm doing much better. I'm, I'm remembering things, I'm solving things that I never uh, did the first time. Like, I'm exploring more, I'm just having a blast. 
and there's one one point where I was like, maybe I'll hop in and do a do a Fortnite match, and I couldn't get the Breath of the Wild controls out of my head, and so I just got wrecked. I I think I got killed at like number twenty three, like, and like not to not to brag, but typically if I'm on my game in Fortnite, I'm I'm getting at least top ten. Um so getting knocked out at twenty-three and like just feeling completely out of wits uh when I got into a firefight, I realized it's because I'm trying to use the Zelda controls and it's tripping me up. And I think it's because so much of both Breath of the Wild and Fortnite is running around large green expanses and, you know, climbing up mountains and things like that and looking for supplies. Uh, so it, it was an, a very easy mix-up for me to find myself in uh, because they look very similar uh so so it is interesting to me that that is another way how playing one game uh can affect how you play other games sometimes it can be bravery sometimes it can be making you feel like an idiot uh and that's just kind of the way it goes uh and as i'm recording this today it is the uh 49th birthday of Pong, which, I mean, let's be real, this is the 49th birthday of video games, baby. Video games were born when Pong was released. Uh, of course, there's all sorts of minutia you could get into, you know, you could, you could get into the, uh, the very first video game that was created but like in terms of how we view video games right now let's start with pong uh so happy birthday video games and uh we will be right back with the main meat of the episode sayonara wild hearts but first a message from our sponsors <laughs> This episode of Mayday Arcade is brought to you by Lawn Lawn Milk. Lawn Lawn Milk comes from the happiest, best cows in all Hyrule, right here at Lawn Lawn Ranch. So when you want to get along, get a Lawn Lawn. Lawn Lawn Milk, it's good for you. Thank you so much, Lawn Lawn Milk for being this week's sponsor all right so let's get to it sayonara wild hearts now this is a game that came out in 2019 uh and it is one of the most unique games uh that i've ever played because it's <laughs> it's kind of hard to define 
it's kind of hard to give it a genre like it's a music game rhythm game but it's also like an endless runner style game but also platformer but also quick time events but also it's it's just this huge jumble of of different styles of gameplay all put into one and somehow somehow Sayonara Wild Hearts works top to bottom. It's incredible. And the way that the game's creators uh, describe it is like a playable album. And that's because everything about Sayonara Wild Hearts is about the music and luckily enough the music is unbelievable in this game it's incredible it's very synthy and modern and so so it sounds uh you know you can definitely connect it to a band like churches uh where it's got a really great vocals over a poppy synth backing track and it creates this energy that takes you through this game that is just unbeatable and just so so good the music of this game is everything because if if in if any of those songs uh don't hit you're kind of bummed out because the other thing about sayonara wild hearts is it's a pretty short game. It's about an hour and a half long, depending on if you get, get stuck on anything. But for the most part, you just blaze right through it. And before this episode, I went through it for, I think, my eighth time. Because I just adore this game. I love this game. Uh, so sometimes I'll just hop in and go all the way through. Uh, sometimes that'll just be, you know, a fun thing that I do for a night where I'm like, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna play Sayonara Wild Hearts because it's it's kind of like sitting down with a full album and just absorbing it. Uh, but the thing that makes this game so incredible and why it is so important that it is a game as opposed to just a cd you know just a just an album you can buy and that is because it is telling a story as you go through this game <laughs> which is not something that is typical for you know a lot of rhythm games for sure I, I think uh, maybe maybe you could look at Parappa and Um Jammer Lammy and Guitaru Man uh, as as some examples of like story based music games, uh, but <laughs> those games all came out like twenty years ago, so it's not like it's a a, a crowded market let's say and the story of sayonara wild hearts puts you in 
the shoes of a woman who is overcoming some heartbreak. And it takes those feelings of heartbreak and it blows them up to a magical, supernatural level uh, where everything is heightened. And so it pulls out just how strong those feelings are, like how you feel them, and it dramatizes them in a way that really further gets you into that headspace. And I find that brilliant. Uh, I, I really do. <laughs> and here is... Uh, I'm probably burying the lead. I don't know. I've only been talking for a few minutes, so maybe it's not burying the lead. But another reason why I love this game so much and why it resonates with me so much is because uh, it's a lesbian story. It's it's about a woman who is dealing with the heartbreak of the women she's been with before. And you are going through her living through the memories mm -hmm. of all of these past relationships. And it's rare enough to get a lesbian story in video games at all. Uh, but this one does it. And it does it in such a beautiful way that I haven't even seen you know, straight relationships portrayed with this level of care in games. Uh, and you might think that sounds crazy. Uh, I thought you said this was an album. And it is. It's a concept album. And and you're, the concept is lesbian heartbreak. <laughs> like, that's it. Uh, and so that's an incredible thing to have. Uh, so that's another reason that it, it, it hits with me. It, because uh, if you're new to the show, if you haven't uh, been listening to the Shipping Manifest or anything like that, uh, yes, I am a trans woman and a lesbian. Uh, that is kind of my, my, uh, category <laughs> identification. I don't, I don't know. That's, that's what I am. Um, so I'm always, uh, much more connected to lesbian stories. I always have been, uh, it's a big reason I love life is strange, uh, but but life is strange i bump up a, against on some stuff i think the dialogue in that game is uh very clearly written by uh people who aren't <laughs> uh teenagers for lack of a better way of putting it uh it, it's it's a lot of what old people think teenagers sound like uh, a lot of the time in that game, so it it's it doesn't resonate with me as much, but it still does. 
now Sayonara Wild Hearts kind of gets a pass on that end because the only dialogue is spoken by a narrator and the narrator doesn't come in a lot uh, so it's not constantly beating you over the head with it uh, pretty much all of the storytelling in this game is done through the music and the visuals and third the gameplay that's right the gameplay is a part of the story and that is why i'm so excited to talk about this game because when you think of rhythm games music games you think of your guitar heroes or your ddrs or you know things like that where most of it is just button presses and that's pretty much all you're focusing on is just pressing the right button at the right time and there is an element of that in Sayonara Wild Hearts but there's this other element of your movement through the stage is a part of it so you have to get your movement into more of a rhythm as opposed to your button presses into a rhythm. And I find that pretty fascinating. Uh, the, the really big thing that I want to talk about in this game is uh, one of the levels, uh, which is you are facing off against the stereo lovers that's what it's introduced as <clears throat> so as this level starts you are having a sword fight with a person that has a half black mask and half white mask and it's it it almost looks like the phantom of the opera mask uh just like mirrored uh on both sides and as you're having this sword fight which like oh my god you're you're having sword fights in this game are you kidding me uh you hit them and it splits their body in half and they become two people boom stereo lovers that's where the name comes from but you can tell that you know they are essentially identical except for the mask the mask is one one of them is wearing their black phantom mask and the other one is wearing the white one uh but other than that they're identical so as you're going through this level they are doing something where they are on opposite ends of the screen and when they snap the level changes so they are snapping in time with the music and it is changing the level in front of you. And so it goes through one change, two change, three change. And so you have to pay attention to the obstacles that are coming ahead of you. But you have to pay attention to which beat it's going to be on once you reach that point so that you can time your movement to be out of the way of the upcoming obstacle. Now, that would be one thing 
if that was just the way that the game was. You know, this is just an interesting little bit. But when you factor in the story that you're going through, and it's all about heartbreak, and it's all about past relationships, and then you start to look at, oh my god, the gameplay is telling me what this relationship was. They seemingly were two people that consistently changed what reality was in front of me. And I had to pay attention to what obstacles were in front of me so I would know what, what was coming at any point whenever they change whichever world they're presenting to me. And I am still flabbergasted at how brilliant that is. That you are presented with this gameplay that tells you a story in such a subtle way that you could completely, completely miss it if you're not digging into it a little bit more. And I find that so freaking cool. Uh, and I wish more games did that. I would, I would compare it most closely to uh, what remains of Edith Finch, which also factors the gameplay into the story that it's telling uh, in a really cool way. But we'll talk about that game another time. Uh, so you have all of these factors spread across you know the music the visuals the gameplay the story everything is hitting and it creates this really beautiful uh this really beautiful package uh and as you go through it, you start to learn more and more about what this girl has been through through her life and, you know, how she's processing it. Some she's processing a little bit better than others. Uh, and I won't spoil it because, really, it's a short game. It's a pretty cheap game. Please, 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 please play this game uh at the very least listen to like one of the songs uh, that's that's really if you if you're not sold after listening to like the main song sayonara wild hearts i don't know you know maybe it's not for you but if you like that song you will like every song in this game uh and the visuals are this really neon new wavy kind of style that because of the artistic direction that it took that game is gonna look amazing forever like it's 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 not gonna age at all because it just it's it's gorgeous and it's just as you're going through it, you're so excited to see 
like what's going to happen next because like i said you're having a sword fight in in one level but then you're driving a muscle car in another one or you're riding a motorcycle or you're flying on a playing card not a playing card tarot card specifically um so it's a short game but it's giving you such a wide variety of experiences that are always keeping you on your toes and because of the gameplay factoring into the story like you get you get that further enjoyment out of it because you get the feeling that the differences in gameplay are illustrating the differences in these relationships because you know some relationships might be kind of similar but for the most part a lot of relationships are very different and so changing the changing the gameplay from each one each segment further pushes that but it also keeps you from getting bored because when you're playing parappa when you're playing um jamie lammy when you're playing guitar man like you're doing the same thing every level every song like they have their gameplay locked in and that's that's not changing uh but sayonara wild hearts always keeps you on your toes there is no way when you are playing it for the first time that you can predict what the next level is going to be it 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 all follows and it all makes sense but it's consistently surprising so yeah uh i mean this is going to be a shorter episode because well it's it's a game that is an hour and a half long so <laughs> it would it would be a shorter episode um but i hope you enjoyed i hope you check out sayonara wild hearts uh i am a massive massive fan if you couldn't tell um but yeah that's it for this episode of mayday arcade uh if you want to get in touch let me know what you're playing shoot me some recommendations have you played sayonara wild hearts i want to hear about it uh you can reach me at mayday arcade oh gosh it's been a couple of weeks, so I forgot what the email address is. I'll put it in the description, uh, just so I make sure that I get it right. Um, I think it's maydayarcade at gmail.com, but I might have the podcast in there. No idea. Anyways, I hope you have a good day, uh, and bye.